I'm Mike Opperman, and welcome to the latest in the Bova News podcast series. You know, more and more dairy producers are realizing the benefits of registered dairy cattle as they look to speed genetic progress of their herds and grow the value of their animals. Holstein Association represents the largest breed registry in the world, and here to visit with us today about the association and, res- and registered cattle is the CEO of Holstein USA, John Meyer. John was born and raised in Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin, and for the past 25 years has held leadership roles with breed associations. First with the Brown Swiss Cattle Breeders Association and for the past 21 years with Holstein Association USA. In his roles, he has had an enormous positive impact throughout the dairy industry. Over the years, he's lent his considerable talents to other industry boards as well. He's been president of the National Pedigree and Livestock Council, Chairman of the Council on Dairy Cattle Breeding, a board member on the National Mastitis Council, member of the Animal ID Task Force of the National Institute for Animal Agriculture, a counselor for the World Hosting Frisian Federation, and a member of World Dairy Expo's Dairy Cattle Committee. And in 2010, John received the National Pedigree Livestock Council's Continuous Service Award. Welcome, John. Thanks, Mike. Glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me to participate in the podcast today. Yeah, so we're just going to have a conversation about registered cattle and kind of what you're seeing in the industry. So just to start off with, um, I know you recently had a convention, I believe it was in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and you got the chance to talk to uh, and interact with a large portion of your membership. Just tell me quick, how is morale on dairy farms and within your membership kind of given where everything is, is at in the status of the dairy industry? As it pertains to the morale on dairy farms within our membership, Mike, I found it to be quite good given the circumstances this summer. Obviously, uh, in late June at the time of our meeting, class three milk prices have been declining since May. So it's certainly been challenging for, uh, for everyone. Even so, our membership seemed to be pleased to have the opportunity to gather and reacquaint with old friends and make new ones during the convention. You know, for so many of us, it was the first time we had a chance to interact with people again. And in a lot of ways, it was really refreshing. As you know, the milk market has been volatile for a long time. In some cases, um, fortunately, with our members, with registered Holsteins, haven't been quite as uh, impacted um, as those without. Uh, you know, the, the milk market has been uh, a very, very fickle commodity market for years, but it seems that sometimes with uh, registered Holstein cattle. Some of our members have the opportunity to market their cattle and genetics when milk prices are high or low. So that helps them kind of offset the uh, the turbulent prices. But obviously higher milk prices are good for everyone. And at some point we need to get to the point where milk prices are stabilized at a profitable level for dairy farmers. But again, all in all, Mike, uh, I found people incredibly upbeat under the circumstances. Well, that's really good to hear. Uh, I know we've all been kind of suffering through the COVID pandemic for, well, I guess, better better than a year now. Um, what are some of the issues Holstein Association is facing as we move, hopefully, out of this COVID pandemic situation and into a new and different dairy market? You know, as I see it, Mike, one of the very few positives that came out of the COVID-19 pandemic, from my viewpoint, is that it truly heightened American consumers' love of dairy. You know, sales of butter and cheese, cream, sour cream, ice cream, sherbet, half and half, cottage cheese and yogurt, all saw increases in 2020. 
And even with the schools being closed, fluid milk consumption was up during some points during the year. So as I see it, COVID-19 gave us some opportunity uh, that we need to take advantage of. And that's the, the heightened interest in consumption, interest in dairy products and the consumption of them that truly fell in our laps in 2020 due to the uh, pandemic. You know, when you look at it, we have far more delicious, uh, nutritious varieties of milk and dairy products than we've ever had before. And we can promote them like we never have before through advertising and social media and promotional opportunities like we we haven't been able to do in the past. So I, I just really think that that the best way to increase milk prices is to increase consumption domestically. So we really have to seize the moment. And I think that we, we can um, really take advantage of this. I think one of the things that we've done here at the association is taken on more of a dairy communication and promotion role than we have before through the use of television, radio, social media, and other vehicles. As, uh, as I'm sure you're aware, we produce the only national dairy television program uh, on television called Holstein America uh, on RFB TV. We've got our next episode on September 27th. We also do a lot of uh, audio and video segments that are broadcast on national farm broadcast radio stations throughout the country. So we're at the Holstein Association now, we're really trying to view our consumers as not only the dairy farmers, who use the programs, products, and services that we offer, but we're also uh, viewing the consuming public at large who buy dairy products as, as, uh, as our customers too. So we continue to do everything we can trying to spread the good news of dairy in hopes of increasing dairy consumption. And, and again, like I say, that's something that over the years, the Holstein Association probably hasn't done a lot in that arena. But we're really, really focusing on that now and trying to spread the good word of, uh, of the dairy community. Yeah, that's a great point, John. And it certainly is beneficial. I think um, obviously we have our national checkoff, but I think it's, it's kind of an all hands on deck effort, right, to, to promote dairy products and increase that, that demand profile for consumers. For sure, Mike. And, and, and I, again, as I, I talk about 2020 with this, it was just really refreshing to see what the purchases of dairy products were last year. And again, it, it just, it fell into our laps the way it did. And we really have to seize the moment and, and push that thing because I think, I think so oftentimes we look at the export market as the silver bullet for dairy sales and, and dairy consumption. And granted, the export market is important but uh, that is not the silver bullet. And we have so little control over what's happening internationally. We have greater control here in the United States. And uh, with the opportunities that we have here, I just think that uh, last year was a real wake up call to tell us about the kind of the, the increased consumption could be out there if we just really go after it. Uh, shift gears a little bit and talk about genetics. Um, you know, genomics has really exploded over the past 10 years, as, as you're well aware. And it's really changed how some of your members manage their herds, obviously, whether they're registered or not. Um, how do you think it, genomics has changed the Holstein breed and the Holstein cow? And where do you see that trend going in the future? That's a great question, Mike. And as, as you were leading to there, genomics has really accelerated the genetic progress of the Holstein breed and, and more than any others. It, it, it's done it in all breeds, but 
the vast size of the U.S. Holstein herd and then U.S. Holstein breeders' wide adoption of genomics has highlighted the profitability Holstein cattle can bring to dairies. It's so easy now to select for the traits that are most important to you at your individual dairy. So you can breed cattle with a high degree of confidence that you'll be getting the kind of offspring that you want. We've always had sophisticated genetic uh, indexes and all, but nothing like we have today. With the tremendous diversity of the Holstein breed, if your interest is, is in cheese yield, you can breed for that. If you're in a, um, a milk market that's looking at totally on, you're paid on pounds of milk, you can do that. You can emphasize health traits that are important to you. Uh, the Holstein cow just keeps getting better every day as a result. We talk about constant, never-ending improvement of the breed. And uh, no uh, other breed or combination of them can produce as much total pounds of milk, fat, and protein as the Holstein cow. So it has, uh, it has really opened a lot of people's eyes to, to um, uh, genetics overall. And, and as you know, guys like you and I have been around the business for a few years, Mike, and there were always some, some breeders that had an interest level in, in genetics and then another group that really didn't. But today, the way things are, you can hardly afford not to, to be highly interested in genetics. And with the tools that we have today through genomics, it, uh, it, can, it, it can just uh, do great things from a profitability side uh, for dairies. Yeah, and that's, that's great. And certainly genetics are, are a huge part of you know, modern dairy operations. And we've seen a couple other practices evolve as well, uh, namely, you know, use of robotic technology, and then also this explosion of use of beef genetics on dairies. Um, from an association standpoint, what are some of the things you've done to kind of evolve with these changing on-farm practices to stay ahead of, of, what, of what your membership needs are? Sure. I, I like to think that we've been a, a leader in both of those areas, Mike. One of the things that we started a few years ago, and we're very early into this thing, is we developed, as it pertains to robotics, we developed a, an innovative TriStar AMR program, which stands for Automated Milk uh, Records Program for producers with robotic milking systems. And what that does, um, we, uh, we have, a, as, as I know you know, a, a dairy records processing center based in Visalia, California, Agritech Analytics or ATA. Anyway, we get the, on these uh, herds that choose to enroll in the TriStar AMR program, they're producers who uh, are not uh, interested in being involved with DHIA. We can collect their milk records and their component records through ATA and give them all the information that they need through their on-farm software. And so uh, that's one of the things that we can do. And then they can use that for their management needs as, as, uh, as they see fit. I was just at one of our members' farms in uh, Northeast Wisconsin last week who's enrolled in the TriStar AMR program, and he's absolutely thrilled with the system. So this is one of the things that people talked about doing for years, is to how can we actually take advantage of these robotic milking herds, and how can we use that and get that information and use that to those dairymen's greatest adv uh, advantage. And so we put this into place. It's something that uh, it, there continues to be more interest in, and it was a uh, 
um, something that, like I say, it's been talked about for a long time, but we we put it into play and are very, very pleased with that and, and continue to get more, more uh, interest in it. With, uh, with the beef on dairy, that is a, a phenomena that a lot of us probably never thought we would have uh, seen 10 or 15 years ago, but it's, it's played an important role for uh, a number of producers. And it's something that we said, you know, we better look at, at some ways we can try to turn that into a profit center for our members somehow, some way. And what we did is we worked with the American Simmental Association out of Bozeman, um, Montana. And what we did is we had recognized that so many times when dairy uh, producers were looking at, at putting beef on dairy, they had two criteria. One was that it had to be black. The, the, it had to be uh, from semen from a black bull. And the other one was that it had to be inexpensive. So black and cheap were the primary um, goals of their, of their breeding program. Well, we wanted to look and see what can we find and what genetics are most complementary to the Holstein breed. And what we did is working through the Semental Association, which, which does uh, breed evaluation work and, gen and genetics uh, predictions for a number of different beef breeds, we found that the ideal combination for a Holstein uh, cow or heifer was going to be a Sim Angus uh, cross bull. So what we did is we developed a wholesome, we call it uh, HOL, SIM, for Holstein and Simmental, a wholesome bull list, which identifies elite Sim Angus bulls with specific production attributes as mating solutions for dairy producers who breed some of their herd to beef. Now, what we're hoping to do is develop that into its own branded line of beef, wholesome beef. And that is something that uh, in the end, we're hoping for those folks who, who are part of this program, we can have a, a certified labeled program for those producers. And in the end, we hope that the processors that we use uh, working on this will be ones that uh, will pay a premium for them and, um, and, and our members and people who are participating in this can, uh, can see some higher yield and, and greater income and, and develop that as a real profit center for them. It's going to take time. You know, we're going to walk before we can run on this. We're, we're getting started on it. But I really uh, encourage anyone that is breeding beef on dairy to look at our wholesome bull list. And uh, they can see that and they can try to then choose those bulls that give you the best opportunity for, uh, for getting a profit of, on, those, uh, on, on the offspring you sell at market. Because what is happening now some in the uh, beef market is that some of those just uh, beef on dairy animals are getting deducted at market. Some of them are not being accepted. They don't want some of those animals that are that are that are coming off the trucks and trying to be sold that way. So uh, on this end, we think this is something that should work out really well. And here again, we have a little science behind the mating for the beef on dairy, rather than just making a decision um, on the fact that you're using a bull that is black and it is inexpensive because what's happening is sometimes that semen just happens to be the semen that the guys in the beef 
a business aren't interested in using, and then it just gets to be kind of peddled upon these uh, these uh, dairy farmers who are trying to do it. So we're excited about this, and uh, like I said, I've had some some good uh, cooperation with the American Semental Association on this. And the other thing that's kind of neat, you know, we always uh, no organization can do anything on its own, and we we need to form alliances as much as possible. But this is one of the very first uh, alliances that I'm aware of that a dairy breed association and a beef breed association collaborated on. And uh, hopefully there'll be more of these kind of things in the future. Yeah. And, you know, we've done quite a bit uh, of provided quite a bit of information on using beef on dairy herds. And having that carcass quality is so important, especially when the buyers are looking at those animals. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how 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 these how these wholesome animals uh, come out and and the value that you can add to them. You know, and that, that absolutely right, Mike. And I appreciate the good work you folks have done on that. And we're also on the cusp of uh, of getting some good uh, research on this at uh, at uh, a couple of universities as well that we're working with. So we think there's going to be some real good tangible information. The early data we have is good. But I think that uh, we're uh, we're going to even have some more as we go along here. So it's uh, it's truly a an exciting time. You know, kind of moving on to the next area. You know, beef on dairy is used probably more so in, in larger dairies than others. Um, and I've noticed, kind of as I've traveled the country, that there's a quite a bit more larger dairies that have become involved with registered cattle. And what do you think, kind of the reason for this is, and do you see that trend continuing? Well, there are a number of different reasons why more and more larger dairies and, and dairies of all si- sizes are, are purchasing registered cattle and developing registered Holstein herds. And we think it will continue. I think first and foremost, Mike, they, they really want to know what it is they are buying when they expand their herds. And you know that with registered Holsteins and uh, other registered breeds. It's kind of a little bit like that uh, obnoxious commercial that we've all seen on the television, you know, get the Carfax. Well, there's similarities with that. You know, as much as I don't necessarily like that commercial, you know, that whole thing is get the history of the car that you, you might be buying and make a decision based on that. Well, that's the same concept, I think, that a lot of these dairy producers are looking at now. They're saying, if we're going to expand this herd, and if we want to make an impact here, we want to have the best idea that, that we possibly can have on what it is that we're buying. Um, I also think that most of these folks today are aware that uh, buyers of milk, you know, the, the processors and milk cooperatives and whatnot that buy milk can be more and more choosy today than ever before in terms of who they purchase their milk from. And I think that the more information you can have on your herd, the better off you are in not only attracting a market uh, for your milk, but uh, uh, actually maybe getting in a position to bargain for a little better um, price of your milk. Because I think what's happening now is that there are, you know, just being a pure producer of commodity milk with records and information that mean little to anybody but you, the best of those days may be uh, behind us. And now I think that, like I say, people can, buyers of milk can be much, much more choosy. So 
having the family trees of the cows uh, on your dairy is meaningful and, and, and impactful to the consumers who want to know where their food comes from. And as you know, you know, a lot of the breeders of registered cattle can give you the family trees on their cattle better than I might even be able to give of my own family. I mean, they, they know those cattle for generations. And that's truly impressive, not only for the, the person buying the milk on the farm, but the consumer at the retail level uh, itself. Uh, I know of some cases that, that what's happening now is that some restaurant chains and some um, uh, grocery stores are asking the supplier of dairy products to them if they can get the name of some of the dairies that are producing milk for them and so they can have an idea of who these families are and visit their farms. And anyway, um, I know of, of one case in Texas um, uh, specifically where they showed the, the um, um, several generations of a cow family at their farm when the people who are in procurement for a major restaurant chain came to visit them and the folks were highly impressed by that. Mm -hmm. So that's part of the whole thing is telling the story. And it also shows that, that um, uh, large or small, these are family dairies that are producing these great dairy proteins for consumers. And not only they, uh, the farmers themselves have a family history, but the cattle they do um, uh, uh, as well. I think an, a, another thing that if we ever get in a tough situation in this country where uh, identification is very, very important of animals and, and, and security and that type of thing, I can remember when the BSE, uh, terrible BSE outbreak hit uh, Europe a number of years ago. And when, when, when the people who were out investigating that were looking at dairy farms and doing their investigations, those folks who had registered cattle got a passing grade automatically. They just basically, okay, your house is in order. You've got documentation from a third-party source here, and um, you're, you're ready to go. They'll get out of their way. So um, that becomes very, very important. And I think it's, uh, I'll carry on a little bit more. I've actually seen it in situations where with clothing, you can, you can look at uh, a clothing product that you got and see where the, the, uh, the wool came from that was in your, in your sweater. And then there can be a link on your computer where you can see the farm family who produced the wool that you bought your sweater from. Well, that's gonna be more and more popular here in this country, not just at the local level, but I think at the national level as well. So I think those are some of the things. And then bottom line, Mike, it, it comes down to the, um, the programs, products and services that the Whole Food Association offers. Those folks find value in them and realize that by participating in those different offerings that we have, they can be more profitable. So they see that this is really um, a, a program and, 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 uh, and system that they can use that they can they can profit from in the long run. So it's uh, it's going well, and we've had tremendous uh, growth over the last several years in this area. Well, what a different industry we are we're a part of, right, John? Uh, than when we started in this business 25 years ago, we never would have had any conversations about you know 
a, uh, a consumer coming on your dairy to see where their milk comes from. Uh, it's quite a, quite an evolution we've seen. It really is. It, 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 it really is. And uh, I was actually on, and this one happened to be a, uh, another robotic milking farm uh, a while back here in Iowa. And, uh, and the dairyman there was telling me that he, can, he foresees a day that you might not only be able to get to the point of saying, okay, it came from my dairy, but uh, that carton of milk that you have or that gallon of milk that you have actually came from this particular cow. Now, that's a, that's a real stretch, but I like the kind of thinking that, uh, that there was with that kind of thing, so there's no end. But it all starts with identification, and I think that that's, that's really what's driving this whole thing, identification. And it's impossible. I, I, one of the other areas I didn't like mention earlier, Mike, is without proper identification like you get through registered Holsteins, it's impossible to maximize the benefit you can get from genomics. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> without proper identification, the genomics mean nothing, obviously. So right. that, that becomes a critical component to, to success with genomics. Well, John, with my final question, I just wanted to uh, mention something and get your input on something that's near and dear to my heart. And that, and this year you were recognized by Dairy Shrine as the 2021 Guest of Honor. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on what receiving that recognition uh, has meant to you. Well, first, Mike, I'd, I'd like to say thanks to you and your leadership with National Dairy Shrine. Uh, National Dairy Shrine is uh, is certainly fortunate to have you in, in your capacity with that organization. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a 40-year member of that uh, association. It's hard to believe, but I, I know that uh, National Dairy Shrine is in good hands with, uh, with you at the helm. I also uh, think back to the, the four uh, fathers of, of National Dairy Shrine who, who put this great organization together in the, in the 1940s, and, and they were visionary to to come up with these uh, awards programs and then the, the development into the great scholarship programs they've had. National Dairy Shrine is, uh, is a truly great and unique organization. Um, I guess when I, I was very pleased, very surprised to, to learn of, of the award, uh, very humbled by it. Uh, some of the greatest people I've ever known and some of the people I've uh, admired the most in my lifetime are, are those who have, who have received the Guest of Honor Award. But I'm reminded of the fact that uh, you know no man is his own sire, and uh, and and every cow and every person has a has a sire and a and a dam. And and uh, I was I was certainly blessed with with great parents and, and genetics. Uh, I I had a, a wonderful environment and home and family where I grew up. And through my dad's work, I got to meet a number of people like your father and uh, and others. Mike at, at an early age, and I always thought that some of the greatest people I've met and people I like talking to were, were those folks in the dairy industry and those leaders and, and developed a passion for the industry that way. And, and so I think that uh, from that, I consider myself fortunate that I had opportunity to, to make friends with people that were a lot older than me, and, and uh, I always really paid attention to those, those folks. But uh, then I, I really think the passion for for your work and the experience, I've I've always been passionate about passionate about this industry. But um, nothing I've ever accomplished was accomplished alone. I've been so fortunate to be in an environment where I've worked with great people. I've had the opportunity to learn from excellent people, 
And uh, many people have contributed to any success that I've ever had because you can't accomplish anything by yourself. Uh, but I'm, I'm very, very pleased. Uh, I think it's also nice that, you know, of course, the National Dairy Shrine Hall of Fame is in Fort Atkinson. That happens to be my hometown and extra special there. And, uh, and, and, and my dad's in, in that same uh, Hall of Fame at the Shrine too. So it's extra special to be in that situation. But I'm, I'm certainly honored by it. But I just think that uh, I've been fortunate to work for great people. I look back at my, uh, my days starting at NASCO with Art Nesbitt and, and then Brown Swiss, the board hiring me there. And then at the Holstein Association, I've just really been blessed. And I always say that uh, I work for the greatest people in the world. I'm their hired man. And uh, everything that I've ever tried to do in breed association work had the, the, the member producer at, at, uh, at the forefront. And, and uh, anything and everything we tried to do was designed at helping make them more profitable. And uh, I just hope uh, we've, we've been able to do some of that. And we'll continue to do everything we can to uh, work on behalf of uh, Holstein breeders and the, the dairy industry at large. Well, thanks, John, and certainly a well-deserved recognition. Um, and I want to thank you for taking time out, John, out of your busy day. I know you're a busy guy to uh, to visit with us this afternoon. Then that wraps up our Bova News podcast for today. If you like what you heard, be sure to follow Bova News on your favorite podcast subscription service. And while you're at it, go ahead and follow us on the various social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube page. And be sure to check out our website, bovanews.com, for more information and alerts to upcoming podcasts and webinars. This has been your host, Mike Opperman, and from everyone at Bova News, have a great day.